Welcome to the Epiphany Movement podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Drake Nelson and is a continuation of the series, Chain Breakers. So today we're going to talk about something that's never probably been talked about. Uh, Well, let me say this, like, I, I'm going to say I've never heard a sermon on this before, nor like this before, and so we're going to try to do it, and we'll see where we get, but what we're going to talk about is drinking, all right, and alcohol, and uh, we're going to dive into that, so we're going to talk about some things that the Bible says that's for it, some things that the Bible says that's against it, um, which there are verses for both. And we're going to do seven verses for us, seven verses against, and then we're going to give two verses of the Scripture that talk about like a random verse about like the medical use of it. And then we're going to end by just talking about some conclusions about, um, okay, so once we got what the Bible says, now what? And that's what I want to do. Um, but I want to start off by just giving a, an understanding ear to people um, who have preached in the past, and to your pastors in the past, and to people who have spoken to you in the past, because um, you'll probably quickly learn that I may be different and in the minority than a lot of people, uh, than a lot of people's view on this. And so I'm well aware of that. Uh, That's why I'm strictly this morning sticking to the Bible. But I do want to say that um, give people some leeway that's spoken to you in the past, because... The reason I say this is because sometimes I think pastors, they can give a sermon on a subject to take away liberty or rights without, because they may not trust that someone would would steward it right. And maybe that's what God would, would have them do. And maybe that's what God had spoken to them. But as far as my job today, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to limit anyone um, nor, nor make you go where your conscience doesn't want to go. I'm simply just trying to say, okay, let's talk about it. Um, let's look in the Scripture and let's see what the Bible has to say about alcohol, um, wine, things like this. And so that's what we're going to do today. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to them. We're going to be in a lot of different places. And um, you'll be flipping a lot. So we're going to have a lot of pages rattling today. That's okay. And um, I'll wait for you to get there because I'm pretty slow at, at turning myself. But we're going to be in Deuteronomy 14 to begin. And we're going to be specifically in verse 22. So Deuteronomy, I believe, is the fifth book of your Bible. So you just go to the front if you're having trouble finding it. And you should be able to find it fairly um, quickly. It's a rather large book. And most people think that it was written by, 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 Mo, by Moses. And it's also the last book of what they call the Pentateuch. And a pentagon has how many sides? Five, right. So the Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible, this being the last one. Deuteronomy 14, verse 22. And it starts, and it's giving, um, it's talking about the tithes and the offerings. And you have to be uh, careful when you talk about the tithes. One time I was talking about the tithes and offerings, and someone came up to me and said, I love it when you preach about the tithes, man. I just get it. You know, it's like the ocean and the, the tithes that come in and out, and what we put in comes out. I was like, I'm not saying tides, man. I'm saying the tide, like T-I-T-H-E, I guess. Yeah, it's right there, T-I-T-H-E-S. 
And so that's what I'm talking about. So we, have to, we have, all have different understandings, but it's talking about the, the tithes. It's talking about how God blesses us for it. Here's what he says in verse 22 starting. It says, you must set aside a, a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops that you harvest each year. Verse 23, bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. And eat it in there and in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, of new wine, olive oil, and of the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. Do not, um, um, this will teach you, you always to fear the Lord your God. So it says, okay, one of the tithes is going to be your new wine. Then verse 24 says this, Now then, when the Lord your God blesses you with a good harvest, the place of worship he chooses for his name, to be honored might be too far for you to bring the tithe to. So it's basically saying you may have to drive too far or walk too far with your camels to take your tithe there. So here's what you do. If so, you may sell the tithe portion of your crops and of your herds, but put the money in a pouch and go to the place the Lord has chosen you. So it's saying instead of bringing your, your crops and all your donkeys and stuff, just sell that, take the money, then it's going to be a lot easier for you to travel. When you arrive, you may use the money to do what? To buy any kind of food that you want, the cattle, the sheep, the goats, and the wine, or any other alcoholic drink. Then feast there in the presence of the Lord your God and celebrate with your household. And do not neglect the Levites in your town, for they will receive no allotment of the land among you. All right, so I've heard people in my life that have, well, I, I'm thinking specifically of just a couple of pastors that I've sat under, um, and their idea of this passage and a passage that we're going to study is that, well, the wine in that time, or even the alcohol in that time, was not, and I don't really know how to pronounce this word very good, but I think I'm doing an okay job. Is it fermented? Is that the word that I'm looking for? It was not like, it couldn't get you buzzed is basically the idea. All right, and I do want to say that that is not what we're looking at here. All right, and I'm going to prove this to you throughout the day, but, but there's three Hebrew words for the idea of wine. The very first one being an idea of sweet wine, or it's called new wine. And this is basically saying grape juice, okay? It doesn't have any alcoholic wine in it, all right? But the second idea is this idea that, hello, it's, a, it's, it's called a heavy wine. A heavy wine. And this means exactly what it sounds like. It's a heavy drink. It means that it has alcohol in it, and it has effects, all right? And in this, what we just read, it uses that Hebrew word, talking about, hey, look, this has alcohol in it. All right, so they bring these, these, these tithes to the Lord. Now, would the Lord accept it as a tithe something that was evil? Would the Lord accept for a tithe something that was evil? And the answer is no, he would not. So that meaning that wine is not evil. He says, look, bring this to me as a tithe, as a tenth percent of all that you have. All right? Does that mean that you have to drink that? Does that mean that you have to have the wine to bring? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It just says that, hey, this is an option. Like I said, I'm having seven verses that are going to be for it, seven verses that are going to be against it. All right, our next verse this for is Numbers 15. So if you want to turn there, Numbers 15. And it's going to be the same idea. 
If you're looking for numbers, just go, um, if you're in Deuteronomy, go to the left, go for, towards the book of your Bible. It'll be the very first um, book that you're scrolling left in. Um, and number 15 is going to be right there in verse 7, okay? Right there in verse 7. And it says this, all right? I'm going to wait um, so you all get there. Numbers 15, verse 7. And it's the same idea that we just have from Deuteronomy 14. It says this, And give, talking about tithe, give a third of a gallon of wine as a liquid offering. This will be a pleasing aroma to God. Right? So would God want something as an, uh, as an offering that would be a sweet aroma that was vile? Like, is he like, no, hey, look, I want you to go out there and take the lamb, but I want it to have a broken leg and spots all over it. No, he says the what lamb? I want you to bring the best, the, the, the what, the, the spotless lamb, right? I want you to bring the choice wine and the choice crop and then bring that in here. And this, once again, it's this idea of the alcoholic, the fermented wine. Now, let me just make a little notion here. I am not, like, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say, for me personally, I've never in my whole life drank uh, one thing of alcohol. Like, I have no idea what it tastes like, never drank it, never intended to do it. Uh, so I'm not trying to support this to, like, support, like, a habit I have. Do you, does that make sense? Um, I simply just want to know what the Bible says, and I don't want to put restrictions on people that God has never done. All right? Um, let's keep on. Let's go to the, the third verse that we have is Genesis 14, 18. All right? So go to Genesis 14, 18. Genesis 14, 18. Now, Genesis... Numbers and Deuteronomy, the three books that we've read so far, the thought is that they were all written by a guy named Moses. We don't know that, but a lot of people think that. Um, I am one of those people that tend to think that way as well. I, I think that it's probable they were written by Moses. All right. And so this is a, a cool spot in the Bible in Genesis 14. It's this dude that we don't hear a lot about, but his name is Melchizedek. Have you ever heard that name in the Bible? It's very rare, Miss Cindy. Um, it, Melchizedek would be like a, a, a high priest, for example, in the Bible. And he's only mentioned one time in the Old Testament. And he's mentioned one time in the New Testament in Hebrews, I believe it's chapter 12. And so we don't know much about Melchizedek. We don't know who his parents are, where he came from. Nobody knows. They actually say this. Nobody knows where he came from, how he's born. They think that this is a Jesus representative in the Old Testament. That's what, that's what the thought behind this is, okay? I don't know that I support that, but that's, the, that's what many people think, all right? So it's this idea, Melchizedek is about to meet a dude in the Bible named Abram, all right, who would later be named what? Abraham, okay? And so as these two are about to meet, they're about to have a conversation, and then Melchizedek is going to bring him some wine. I'm going to show you this, okay? Verse 17 in Genesis chapter 14. After Abraham returned from his victory over the... Let me see if I can... I got this highlighted. Um, the Kedorlamor, the I don't know. And all of his allies, the king of Sodom, went out to meet him in the valley of Shiva. And Melchizedek, the king of what? Salem... And a priest of the God Most High, or maybe yours says the Most High God, 
Now what did he do? He brought Abraham some bread, yes, and some what? And some wine. Melchizedek blessed Abraham with his blessing, and he, and, and he goes on and tells this blessing. And so now we have Melchizedek and Abraham, and, they're, and, they, and, and they have this wine. I'm, once, I'm just trying to show you that people in the Bible did drink. And once again, the Hebrew word shows us that it's not the grape juice that it's talking about. It's not the non, I hate this word, fermented wine, but it had substance to it, okay? Um, let's go to the next verse real quick. Uh, by the way, did they get drunk off this wine, Abraham and Melchizedek? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And nowhere in the Bible is it going to say that it's okay to do that. Let's go to verse 4. Um, it's Psalm, Psalm um, 104, 15. So now we're going to turn. If you have trouble finding Psalm, the best, or Psalms, the best way that I like to do it is I like to close my Bible completely and then try to find the middle of it. And if you try, can open to the very middle, you're going to be really close to Psalm. Um, I typically open to Isaiah, so I'll just scroll a little bit left, and I'll find the book of Psalms. But I'm going to go to Psalms um, 104, so kind of one of the lat latter Psalms. Now, who were Psalms written by? Psalms are mostly written by David, but they have several Psalms that were not written by David. But this one, I believe, will also be written by David, as most of them are. All right, Psalm 104 and specifically to verse 15, okay? Now, if the last three verses did not offend you, this one surely will, all right? I just hate to tell you that this one's going to probably offend people, okay? But let's go with it anyways. Psalm 104, verse 15. All right, it says this. Um, Let's go to 14 so we get the whole context, okay? Psalm 104, 14, we'll get the whole thing in its nature. You cause grass to grow, and he's talking about God, for the livestock and plants for people to use. And so he's about to talk about these blessings that they have, all right? So you allow them to produce food from the earth. Boom. And then he says, and wine. So now God is causing these blessings, which is the grass to grow and the plants for people to use. You allow them to produce food for the earth, which Mr. Art and Mr. J say, amen, right? We got the food for the earth. And wine, what does it say? To make them glad. So it says not only does it talk about wine in itself is okay and is a blessing, but it also talks about, do you see this? The cause that wine has on you, which is what? Which what this says is to make you what? It's to make is to make you have. And that to make you glad. And that is the effect that wine has on you. The very first thing that wine, if you drink or I don't know, like I I, I like I said, I've never drank anything, so I don't know if it makes you this way or not. But what I've here is like one of the very first feelings that you have when you drink it is a sense of calm. Is that I mean I mean so when you have that calm, it's saying, hey, look, this is what the Bible says, and to make glad. So that feeling, as well as the wine, nothing is wrong with that. To lighten the mood, this is not a sin, okay? Now your conscience can tell you to steer away from that, but it is not righteous then for your conscience to say, I need to steer away from that, then for you to put that restriction on somebody else, okay? That's not a righteous thing to do. But I do want to say this, that's the first step. That's the first step that wine has is to make you 
maybe eased out a little bit. But it goes a lot further than that. We're going to see this as we keep going today. It's a lot many more steps, and those steps would be sin because that would be a drunkenness. Okay, let's go to um, our next verse, Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3, if you want to turn there. Proverbs 3. Um, Proverbs is right after the book of Psalms. And we're going to be in chapter 3, um, <clears throat> verse 7. Okay. Now, this is actually going to be talking about, do you remember how I said there's three different words for the word wine or alcoholic beverage in the Hebrew? And um, this is actually going to be talking about the sweet wine, the new wine, the, what we can call grape juice. So this is actually talking about grape juice right here. I do want to say this, okay? And so um, wine that is not fermented. All right, 3, 7. It says this, Do not be impressed with wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body. That's great. And strength for your bones. That's great. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain, and your vats will overflow with what? With, mine says good wine, but yours will probably say new wine or sweet wine, because that's the better Hebrew word. It's an idea of having grape juice. Um, why are they in the vats, though? Why are they in the vats? Because when you hold wine for a little while, you know what happens to it? It, what's that word again? It does that, yes. It does the word that I'm not good at, fer, ferment. Fer, like a vermin? No, ferments, okay? It does that, right? So you want to hold them in the vats. Now, get this. It's saying right here that this is a blessing from God. But can a blessing from God be something bad? Can I be like, Cat, I'm going to bless you with a broken leg? No, that would be a curse, right? Like, you know... Oh, man, the serpent in the garden was blessed among all others. No, he was cursed among all others. Blessings are meant to be a good thing. And right there it's saying that, hey, look, I'm going to give you wine for your vats. This is going to be a blessing for you. All right? But in my life, let me just speak personally for a second. Um, in my life, I've, I've never thought that, I've never, until I started studying it, I've, I've always grown up here and like, alcohol, no, 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 no. I think that may be one of the reasons why I am where I am today. and just like, no, no, thank you. However, I will say this, is that it, in the Bible can be a blessing, but so many times in my life, I've seen it as an abuse. I've seen it as an abuse in my life. I've seen it as an abuse. And so I think it can be both. I think it can be both. So what do we conclude from this? I've only read five, and I'm not going to really read the other um, two, if that's okay with you. Um, I'll just say, let, let, let me skip one, and um, we'll go, well, let's, let's go to the last one, okay? Let's, 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 go, let's go to this, okay? Go to Matthew eleven nineteen. Go to Matthew eleven nineteen, And Matthew's going to be in the New Testament. It's the very first book of our New Testament. And... Um, going to go to chapter 11. And your Bible is made up of two testaments, one being the Old Testament, written by um, several, several, several different authors, um, probably over 20, some think. And the New Testament is going to be a little bit shorter, but it's going to be from the time that Jesus came and died up until probably about 100 years. Okay, that's when it was written. 
and um, they're going to be by, from about 10 authors, so not, not, not as many people wrote the New Testament, and it's going to be a little bit shorter as well. But Matthew 11 is talking about Jesus, the life of Jesus, in verse 19, and it says this, all right, verse 11, 19, the Son of Man, on the other hand, he does what? He feasts and he drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. So that verse, and every drunk person that you ever meet will quote, will quote you this. Like, well, we all know that Jesus drank. Oh, yeah, like Jesus, he, was a, he drank too. So, like, cheers, bottles up, right? But, it, uh, hey, so does this mean then that, that Jesus thought that it was okay to get drunk? Actually, Jesus will send people to hell for being drunkards. So never in the Bible is it okay that Jesus says, okay, it's okay to get drunk. But it's also not okay for us to gloss over sometimes the fact that, hey, look, Jesus did drink, okay? And he never sinned. Now, some people think this, right? That guess what? The wine wasn't fermented. It was all just grape juice. But that's not true. That's so silly. If you hear somebody say that, just say, like, that's silly, okay? And I'm not trying to pick, I'm not, I don't, I, I know some of you have heard that all your lives, and that's okay, like, like, but do you remember the story that Jesus told when he says, you can't use an old, old cloth for, or, or a new cloth for old britches, bro, because when you put the new cloth on there, it's going to break under the, because it's not going to be as worn. And you can't use new wineskins for what? For old wine. Otherwise, you put the old wine in the new wineskins and what's going to happen? It's going to bust. It's going to break, right? Do you remember when Jesus said this? But why couldn't you put the old wine in the new wineskins? And he's just giving an example, but you couldn't do that because it would break. Why? Because it had alcohol in it. Because it had alcohol in it. I don't know what this is, but somebody called me this one time, and I think I got the gist. A teetotaler? Does that mean somebody that doesn't drink? I think it does. That's what I've Googled and, re and found out. Like, Drake, you're such a teetotaler, man. I'm like, okay, what is that? But Jesus was not a teetotaler either, okay? All right. So you can stop sweating now, everybody. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, uh, we're going to go on the negatives, okay? Let's go. What do we conclude by all these verses that we've read, okay? What do we conclude? Well, we conclude to get this that wine is intended by God to be a blessing used in moderation. Simply put. Simply put. Um, all right, let's go to the negatives. Um, go to Proverbs 21.17. Proverbs 21.17. <clears throat> Proverbs. Then again, like if you're looking for Proverbs and you don't know, really know how to get there, just turn to the middle of your Bible, and um, you'll be pretty close, and then uh, probably just go left from there. Proverbs 21, 17. All right. 21, verse 17. All right. Here's still here. A couple of pages turning. I'll give it a second. All right. 21, 17. It says this. Those who love pleasure become poor. Those who love wine and luxury will never be rich. So what does that mean? 
It means that the problem isn't in wine of itself. The problem is, is what Proverbs is teaching is, is to love it. Like if you wake up every morning and you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to crack a cold one, man. You probably have something wrong with that. That's probably, probably something wrong with that. If you're like, man, I'm so ready for Friday to come because guess what? I get to have a couple of cold ones. There's a problem here. If the way that you live your life is built around alcohol, there is a problem. You have a problem. The problem is if you love it, okay? Um, uh, let's go to our next verse. Let's, it's actually just one page over. So flip over one page into Proverbs 23. And we're going to go all the way down to verse 29. Verse 29. And um, this is probably going to be my favorite one, or one of my favorite ones about this. 23, 29. It's going to go th- 29 through 35. And here's what it says, okay? It's just... Who has anguish? Who has sorrow? Who is always fighting? Who is always complaining? Who has unnecessary bruises? Who has a bloodshot eyes? It is the one who spends long hours in the taverns. Basically to say in the bars or in the pubs as the people in Ireland or British call them. Trying out new what? New Drinks. Now it's not talking about trying out Drapico or or Coca-Cola. Like it's talking about alcoholic beverages. So how do you know if it's a sin or not? Well, if you drink so much that it causes you anguish, or if you drink so much that it causes you sorrow, if it if it causes you to want to fight somebody, you know, all right, put them up there. Or if it causes you to be a constant complainer, you've had too much, bro. And then it says, who has unnecessary bruises. What does that mean? It means like you go to sleep one day, and then you wake up, and you're like, how did I get this, how did I get this tattoo? I don't even remember what happened. How did I get this bruise here? Like, what's going on? If that's the case, you, you're, you've gone too far. It is the one who spends long hours. Then it says this, don't even gaze at the wine, seeing how red it is, and how how it sparkles in the cup and how smoothly it goes down. For in the end, it bites like a poisonous snake. It stings like a viper. You will see hallucinations and you will say crazy things. You will stagger like a sailor. I love this description. Toss at the sea, clinging to the swaying of the mast. So basically like a sailor um, in, a, in a ship that's at sea would be like, Ugh. and so when he finally got on land, he would just be like super, super dizzy. That's what I was talking about. If you can't walk a straight line, bro, you've gone too far. And then you will say this, verse 35, they hit me, but I didn't feel it, <laughs> right? I didn't even know it when they beat me up. And then what I will do, when I wake up, I'm ready to wake up so I can look for another drink. All right, if this has happened, that's too far. You've gone too far. All right, let's keep on going for a a couple of different verses. Um, Let's go, okay, come come on, let's go here. Let's go here. Let's go to Leviticus 10, Leviticus 10. And what happens here is in Leviticus 10, Aaron's sons have just partaken of a drink and then they walked into the Holy of Holy and they are drunk going in there and so the Lord sends fire down there and like boom, they're, they're killed. And so in verse 9, here's what God gives them as some instructions. It's like, okay, look, this is my instructions from now on. Get this. Leviticus 10, verse 9. All right. 
You and your descendants must never drink wine or any other alcoholic beverage before going into the tabernacle. If you do, I'm going to kill you, bro, just like I killed them, all right? So it's probably not a good idea, therefore, for us to be coming in, going to a church like, like, man, I'm about to knock two or three back before I go in and my worship's going to be on point. Probably not a good idea, right? And if you do that, then, like, you're subject right here to what? To, um, hello, to death is what it's saying, okay? So that would not be a good idea for us to do. All right, um, let's end with, uh, with these two verses, okay? Uh, Ephesians 5.17, let's go there. Ephesians 5.17. And by the way, all these are against um, some warnings, if you would. Of, of, of what's in store. Ephesians 5, going to be right there in verse 17. I know it's a lot of flipping today. I'm sorry for that. Um, but a lot of different scriptures that we can go to for this because it's one idea from the beginning of the text to actually the very end. So here it goes. It says this. Ephesians 5, verse 17. It says, Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Do not, therefore, verse 18, be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. All right, so it said, saying, don't be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the spirits. Now, I've heard people say to me then that, well, it's okay, it's okay to be to be drunk, because drunk drunkness is a lifestyle. Like, if you are a drunker, that's a lifestyle where you're getting drunk, like, every single day. But to get drunk sometimes, that's, God doesn't have a problem with that. Well, no, that's not true. Because what it's saying there is to what? Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. As Christians, how often are you to be filled with the Spirit? Every Sunday for an hour? No, all the time. So therefore, how often should you be drunk with wine? Never, right? Never, okay? Um, and Galatians it concludes by saying, look, I'm going to tell you a bunch of people that's going to go to hell. He says, enviers, the people who are sexually immoral, people who are gluttons, and then he says, oh, also, drunkards are going there, okay? So that's what I was saying earlier, that Jesus is actually going to send people to hell for being drunkards. Now, get this, okay? It, it, it talks about murderers. Now, how many of you have ever um, murdered somebody? Now, I'm just kidding. Don't like, raise your hand. But David did. But David did, and guess where David went? David went to heaven, Okay? All right? Um, and we could go on and on. Guess who was sexually immoral? David, yeah. And guess where he went? So does that mean, like, if I've ever been drunk in my life, I'm going to hell? No, absolutely not. Like, God forgives you for that, okay? Um, but I'm saying that it's not something that we should strive to do. All right? Um, I'm going to conclude with 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 6. I know we're out of time. 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. And um, 1 Corinthians is also in the New Testament. If you're in, um, where was you at? Ephesians, you want to go to the right, I believe. Galatians, Ephesians, 1 and 2 Corinthians. No, I think you want to go to the left. Yes, for, to the left. All right. Thank you, Miss Melanie. I appreciate that. Got me. All right, 1 Corinthians 6 and then verse 12. And here's what it says, okay? This is very important. All right. All right. 1 Corinthians 6.12, You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. 
You must not become a slave to anything. Alright. Now, if... I'll, I'll give you this example. I went running the other day, and do you know how many beer bottles I saw passing the church? Like 20, like just right there on the side of the road. And then I turned up Day Place Road, and I ran down it, and do you know how many beer bottles I saw? I literally saw like cans and cans and cans. So then I went to the golf course after that. It was like, you know, I got my run on, now I'm going to go to the golf course. And they had like a whole, like big thing. It was just full of beer. And I was like, all right, I see we're turning up at the golf course. I say all that to say like, I think we have a problem. As a nation. No, I'm serious. I think that we have a problem as a nation. And I think a lot of people really can't handle it. All right? So it's saying, don't become a slave to that. If you can't handle it, look, don't, just, just don't drink it in the first place because it's better than falling under and becoming a slave to something. So if you can't do this, then you, need to go, you, you don't need to do that. You don't need to become a slave with it. If you can drink in moderation, you can handle yourself and carry yourself well, then okay, it's meant to be a blessing for you. But in the same, very, very same way, do you know we drink now more than we drank 200 years ago when we first came like, to the United States and started discovering things for ourselves. And do you know how much we drank then? Then we drank over 400 million gallons. Is that not crazy when you think about how much alcohol that is consumed? That's what we planted America on. They were bringing it over here by the boatload of it. And now we drink even more than that. I'm saying I think, I think we as a nation have a problem. I think some people in here may have a problem. So I think it's a, it's, it's a good thing if we say, hey, look, we don't want to become a slave to that, all right? All right, so what's our conclusions then? What is our conclusion? Our conclusion comes to us in the form of this, all right? Name me somebody in the Bible who did not drink. His name, um, one that just comes to mind, is John the Baptist. Is John the Baptist. In Luke chapter 1, I'm going to turn there and read it to you because I don't want you to think I'm just, just blabbing stuff out of the air. Luke chapter 1, verse 15, it says this. All right. You will have a great joy and gladness, and you will rejoice at his birth. Who is he? John the Baptist. For he, John the Baptist, will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never do what? Touch wine or any other alcoholic drinks, for he will be filled with the Spirit even before his birth. So God told John the Baptist, look, don't touch it. So if John the Baptist would have went to drink, what would that have been for him? Sin. Right? Because he was saying, look, you don't do that. That's what God has put on my life. Okay? If I was to drink but in front of the eyes of God, it would be a sin for me. Because God is all clearly, he's like, I don't want you to go this way, buddy. Okay? So for John to drink, it would have been a sin. And sometimes God puts that on, on, on your lives too. But then we know that from the, a couple of chapters later in Luke chapter 7, what, what happens? Luke chapter 7 verse 34, um, Jesus is speaking. He says this, The Son of Man, on the other hand, speaking of John the Baptist, he, the Son of Man comes and I feast and drinks. And you say, well, he's a glutton and drunkard. So Jesus drank and he wasn't sin. Never did he once tiptoe the line or become drunk, but he did it, not sin. John the Baptist did it, I mean, didn't do it, and if he would have done it, it would have been a sin. So for some people it's a sin, for some people it's not. You've got to ask the question, what is God calling me to do? What is God calling me to do? My conclusion is this, all right? We don't, based off of Romans 14, 21 and 14, 23, we do not want to do something that's going to cause somebody else to slip and sin and go against their conscience. And this comes from the idea 
of Paul. And I'm closing with this. He says this, all right? All right. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble, okay? And he concludes by saying this. But if you have any doubts about whether or not you should eat something or drink something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not, uh, for you are not following your convictions. If you do anything that you do not believe is right, and you go ahead and do it, then you are sinning. So our conclusion is this. Some people, God calls us not to drink, all right? Some people, it's a blessing in our lives, and it's perfectly okay, and we can handle it. And that's exactly what it is. It's a blessing, okay? But you have to decide what, what, where are you at. And I just wanted to tell you a little bit about the Bible. So I'm sorry that I went over. I really am. I'm sorry that I took your time. Um, but I hope this may make it um, a little bit more clear. I don't think you've ever heard um, this many verses about it. And, and, and I just wanted to give it to you because I think it's helpful, okay? I think it's helpful to understand the Bible and what it says about the, um, about the subject. And anyways, um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll conclude with, um, with a song. So thank you all all, um, and I love you so much. If I stepped on your feet or, or your toes, then, you know, I don't know, blame Cat. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. All right, well, let's pray. God, thank you for everything that you've given us. Um, thank you for letting us be here. I pray that, um, I pray that, that you have um, taught us something today, spoken through us, um, um, or spoken through me today. Um, and, and more importantly, just spoken through your word today, God, so that we can have a better understanding of, 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 of what's what and, um, and, and what you're calling us to do. And um, I, th- I, I, I pray that you would forgive me for all of my sins, and I pray that you forgive us as a group of all our sins and help us better to follow you every day. In your name I pray, amen and amen.